Well, welcome back, everybody, to week two of our Eternity Q&A podcast. Pastor Josh here with Pastor Hutch, taking some of your questions that you've thrown at us. And boy, it seems like, you know, last week we answered four. This week we're going to try and tackle more of them because otherwise we're not going to get through <laughs> half of the questions. So we're just going to jump right into it. Our perspective is to try to frame what the scriptures say about these questions, realizing that there are some questions that the scripture is not clear on that. So we're going to humbly approach this. There might be times where we are uh, just throwing out our thoughts about this, uh, but where scripture speaks will be clear, where we think it's our our own Uh, imagination, musings, wonderings, all of that. So, Pastor Hutch, first question thrown at us, and this is kind of a series of questions. Will my heavenly body need food? Uh, Will we eat in heaven? And then a secondary question to that, which we'll circle back around to, if we will, then (laughs) will there be restrooms in heaven? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there'll be a personal attendant, definitely, if there's a a restroom. It'll be high class. but food, uh, for sure, you are listing off plenty of references, Isaiah 25 and this glorious feast on a mountain. One of my favorites is uh, Matthew 8:11, which says that many will come from uh, the east and the west from every direction to sit at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, that image of a grand feast, a wedding feast, mm. uh, all throughout the scriptures. Yeah, and we're heading into wedding season mm. as a church, too. And I don't know about you, but it's I get excited when I get invites for weddings. It's like, oh, what are they going to have on the menu? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might be one of the first things I look at. Oh, food. All right, let's go. What, what's on the menu? Yeah. And it, yeah. Chicken or beef. Even Jesus, when you look at his... Uh, celebrating the Passover. So there's these celebrations, these feasts, Mm -hmm. which are all about food. And Jesus takes the Passover, celebrates it one last time with his disciples, and talks about how this is now a new meal, the Lord's Supper. And he says, I'm not going to share this with you until I drink it anew in the kingdom, which is to come. So he's anticipating that there's going to be eating that is happening. And then post-resurrection, one of Jesus' appearances to his disciples with his resurrected body, he's going to a fish fry. Yeah, there you go. You know, Carver (laughs) County fish fry right there. Yeah, on the beach, lakeside beach. Yeah, definitely food, uh, restrooms. I don't don't know, but I think in that new creation, what we might think of now as, you know, a little bit uh, crass or unclean, or, you know, whatever, um, somehow in the new creation, uh, it's going to be normal and good. And uh, that book, I think many of us have read to our kids, Everyone Poops. <laughs> uh, it'll make sense. It will just, it'll be a part of the world. And so other than that, but I don't know, it, does, it doesn't say that. In, uh... I think you're right just to say it's part of the created order. <laughs> right. You know, when God created Adam and Eve in the original world, uh, there was... There was fruit that they were to enjoy. You look at Revelation chapter 22, there's definitely trees which are producing fruit which is to be enjoyed. So the the short answer to that is absolutely food in heaven. Looking forward to that. Now, second question here, and this one 
I, I, this is a tough one because there's a lot in this. So we're just going to skim the surface of it. But when God created the original world, somehow sin crept in. Mm. Now, in the new creation, will we sin and will we be able to be kicked out of eternity? Um, kicked out, definitely not. Sin, I don't see it there. I see the old has passed and the new has come. Revelation 21, no more crying, yeah. no more pain, no more death. And certainly if there's going to be death, that's a consequence, a result of sin. So right. if there's no more. Yep. And sin has been dealt with. Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. Mm-hmm. He's taken, taken the punishment for that. We don't we don't have to bear that in eternity. No, not at all. I think I have heard preachers sort of philosophize about, you know, just how what that eternity is going to hold for us, and it's fun to think about and talk about. But to my best understanding of the scriptures, no sin, like you said, no death, and uh, perfection. I don't think there needs to be any fear in that either. No, not at all. To think, oh, what if I mess up? Hmm. Uh, the the first covenant was was a law based covenant. Right. Uh, then there's various places in the Bible, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, which talk about an everlasting covenant. Yeah. Jesus brings a new covenant, you know, and that's a grace based yeah. covenant where we're drawn in and unconditionally loved. So yes. I, I see that continuing into eternity. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Question. Number three, a couple of people had asked about this as we talk about death and what's on the other side of death and, and people are making their funeral arrangements. What about cremation? How does the Lutheran Church look at that? Uh, especially, you know, how does the body reunite with the soul if cremated? And that's something we had covered this last week in the return of Christ, the body and soul are reunited. So how does that happen if someone's been cremated? So first, talk about, let's talk about cremation a yeah. little bit. There's such a r- rich history there. Mm-hmm. I think basically from uh, uh, the Jewish faith all the way into uh, our Christian faith, um, and even people of the book, even like Muslims, uh, adhere to this great honor of the body and and putting it back into the ground from from dust we were made into dust we should return um, so that's the basic history uh, for our our faith is an honoring of that body and laying it to rest in the ground uh, I don't know all the history of, of global cultures and where um, cremation came into you know, constant practice, but I know for a long time Christians wanted to make sure they're honoring the body, make make sure they're not um, acting maybe like other religions or trying to confuse people, so they, you know, they've always just kind of buried. Um, One interesting uh, fact in there is that um, what we have now where we can keep the body longer is something that developed um, during the Civil War. And there was a situation where literally hundreds of thousands uh, of families wanted the opportunity to, to see their loved one's body again. And the only way to keep those bodies was by embalming. And so um, that was also, I think they were then also burying. Um, so cremation, I don't think it's wrong. Uh, at all, but it wasn't the normal practice for a long time. 
And I, you know, you ask about some of the the history there and other cultures. We know that in the Roman culture, cremation was practiced. It was actually military honors hmm. to cremate somebody. Uh, the Hindu culture, or maybe other religions that maybe had less of an emphasis on the body and more hmm. upon the soul and the reincarnation yeah. process. You know, so um, cremation was a common practice there. But for Jews. For Christians, where there's this strong emphasis upon the resurrection of the body yeah. and the honoring of the body, yeah. that was a common practice. Now, we see that shifting. Uh, as we do funerals as pastors, I would say, what, 50% of funerals? Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite that in Carver County, but 50% sure. of funerals yeah. these days are cremation. And that's not to say that uh, these people somehow think less of the body. There's different reasons that they might choose cremation, uh, they might choose it as a cost-saving measure, they might choose it as a way not to pump a body full of formaldehyde and right. to put that into the ground, so mm-hmm. uh, somehow to respect the world that God has given to us. There's limited space in cemeteries, so we're finding yeah. that some people are going more and more to that. I think there are certain cities or sections of the world where you know cremation is basically you're told this is the way you're going to be buried but you know to think that somehow it's not okay as a christian to be cremated no Uh, it's okay as long as you recognize resurrection of the body is coming yeah and dust ashes no matter what uh, scattered to the four winds god can pull us back together as he create us out of nothing so absolutely no problems there really no problems there i would i would agree with that and it's a good thing to realize that that there's truth to that there's tradition to that practice and i think the tradition is is okay to change it's a different day and as long as the love and the honor for that person and their and for the body for the earthly body god gives us is there how we deal with it i think is let people do what they need to so Mm -hmm. There's freedom there. Oh, for sure. Next question then. So when that body is raised, what age are we going to be? Hmm. Yeah. I am not sure. <laughs> you had a good answer to that earlier. Um, remind me what you said. I, I, I was just saying, you know, when God created Adam and Eve, yeah. he created them with a level of maturity. Yeah. So in the perfect world... As God originally created it, there was a level of maturity uh, and ability to reproduce, have children. Mm -hmm. Um, What age are we going to be in eternity? You're right. I don't know. Right. 29. Isn't that funny? Because people are like, hey, I'm 29 again. I'm 29 again. That'd be good. (laughs) (laughs) I I think some people have had near-death experiences, and they've said they've seen grandparents of theirs, and they look younger yeah but then they've seen little kids and they've looked older so mm, yeah i mean there's no uh, biblical evidence there you could you could ask uh with children that have been aborted um Mm -hmm. right i mean god's got to sort of make a a choice on the age for that child um and then older versus younger too i think our idea you know older has a negative Mm -hmm. connotation to it but um it, it won't have. It wouldn't even have that. You could be a different age, and it's still just going to be the right, the right age. So, right. You know, I perfect. Yeah, just perfect. I mean, that's how I think of it. You know, no matter what. And then, will you get older in heaven? 
Well, you live in eternity. So, I mean, in a sense of, uh, will you continue to live? Absolutely. But are you going to grow old? And yeah, not 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 in the way we do now. No, not not at all. Right, your body's not going to fall apart. Uh, You're not going to lose your independence. If anything, we're going to get younger. (laughs) It's a stronger and uh, just better. Because I like the idea of. the fact that in eternity it's not a static thing we are still in a way growing in the knowledge of our god which is infinite so uh, you know come and uh to gaze upon his beauty in the temple to inquire in his temple that's something that's going to keep going on which is awesome learning and growing and loving and, and living absolutely shout out to our <laughs> our mission as a church there you go all right next question uh, this last week I preached on Second Corinthians 12 and Paul having this out-of-body experience where it says he's caught up to a third heaven. So someone had asked, are there levels in heaven? Well, clearly Paul mentions this, but what does he mean mm-hmm. by levels in heaven? And to recognize, well, when the Bible uses the word heaven, you know, we've got the heavens right. or the skies and then heaven as in God's space and entering into this deeper level of awareness of him. So it seems like when Paul is using that, he's saying, I got caught up into this place where I could deeply see in God for who he was. Right. But in the way that we think of levels here on earth or yeah. tiers of a, a hierarchy. system, hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, not so much. I mean, not so much hierarchy. I, I think we, uh, none of us love that in the world. We don't like the the few of being up top with a lot and, and all of that. Um, but the phrase Paul said, uh, like to the third heaven, I saw some connections with that, with the older phrases uh, in the scriptures about the heaven of heavens, kind mm. of, or even where sometimes numbers uh, in Paul's world, Jewish world, uh, meant more than just the number. So three was a very important Jewish number. So if that was kind of heaven of heavens or a full, the fullness of that part of heaven that he was seeing, um, that kind of connected to one of the words I saw in Genesis uh, 28 with Jacob's uh, ladder, where sort of heaven is open. He sees angels coming up and down. And that was uh sort of a heaven of heavens there's a word in there i don't have the specific word but seem to connect to that so um either way paul saw a full one of the fuller expressions of this of god and his presence and heaven and and levels are 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 good in many ways as we look at our world we see mountains we see valleys so I think of it in that way, just difference, diversity, and he was definitely up to a place where he had a pretty good view. You know, he was up on the mountain, so to speak. I, we talked about this a little bit last week, too, where we're <clears throat> the Bible is trying to take the language of earth to explain eternal realities. Yeah. And so sometimes we're limited yeah. in that to know the full extent of what that means. Yeah. I think also when we talk about heaven, there there is a number of different Bible verses that talk about rewards in heaven or maybe levels of rewards in that. But again, it's not a hierarchical. It's not a, oh, I I got the gold medal, you got the silver, you Mm -hmm. got the bronze, I'm better than you. It's just, you know, appropriate rewards that we receive for 
for our faithfulness yeah. to Christ, and and that's a grace-based thing as well. So I'm not going to say that I'm somehow better or less than yeah. somebody else in eternity. Yeah, amen. I know uh, one, one of the images of when it t- comes to rewards is is martyrs, those who have given their life. And if there's levels or or, or those rewards, I'm okay with them having oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> having whatever more reward they deserve, you know. And even though again, uh, it's grace um, and at work in us and through our lives. And I, I said on Sunday, too, the what is most important on the other side of death is seeing Jesus. That's exactly. the greatest yep. reward. There you go. That is Whatever it. else he throws in, yeah. bonus. Bonus. There you go. So speaking of heaven, you know, we, we use the language, like, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. Mm-hmm. So the, this person asks, you know, does heaven have walls or is there some kind of containment that we'll actually be inside of when we are in heaven? Yeah, and first we were saying um, it's good to remember when we use the word heaven, it's really not so much a place as it is God's space and where God is. And even uh, Jesus at one point said, you know, heaven is in your midst. He was he was heaven on earth, mm-hmm. and so it's not. And sometimes we think up, you know, versus down, but really heaven is all around us um, in that way. It's God's space. But then you brought in the image of well, you, the New Jerusalem. Absolutely, Revelation chapter twenty-one. I saw this new city coming down out of heaven. It's mm-hmm. got the twelve walls, and there's some symbolicness in that for the twelve tribes, yeah. the nations coming together so it's a city but it's also interesting if you look at it it says the gates are open yes so it's not that you're contained and mm-hmm. limited within this city almost on sunday i talked about uh, a dystopian novel that referenced how there was a big wall around the city of what mm-hmm. was formerly chicago and now you're limited to right. that no th- there's a city but there's there's nothing that prevents you from leaving and exploring mm-hmm. the new world. Exactly. That's That sounds awesome to me. This next one is one that's been widely debated within the church over the years, and it comes from the Apostles' Creed, where the statement is that Christ descended into hell. And just wondering what that means, especially in light of the fact that Christ on the cross tells one of the robbers, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, Mm -hmm. but if he descended to hell, then how could he be in hell and paradise at the same time? Yeah. So we could spend a lot of time on this, uh, but we're just going to briefly frame it for you by first of all saying that uh, there are there are some churches who have chosen not to include these words in the apostles creed so mm-hmm. it's not essential to the salvation story right. which the creed shares yeah but then not, what is what does the word hell mean sure. within the right context I because mean, is it is it hell in terms of you know, where satan is or right. there there are some translations of well he will not abandon you to the grave it's this resting place for those who are dead yeah Sha'ol, and then they're sort raised. of neutral it's just the place of the dead and who really wants to you know be there that's no good so it could be referencing that and 
we know we do know the history a bit uh well pretty good on this uh where that phrase wasn't the apostles creed it took some time to develop basically Mm -hmm. and wasn't there right at the beginning um so somewhere along the line and this may be an interesting point just to realize that um you know the job of the church and its preachers and its teachers is to take uh, the living word of God, which we have, you know, sort of put, we have it put down in words, and yet our task is to take these words, which come from other languages and, and come from different contexts, and be able to faithfully, in a way, recommunicate them to to the people living now. And so I th- I think maybe this is an example where somewhere. Uh, in the life of the church, it was it felt necessary to somebody to add uh, a little bit more uh, explanation to all that Christ's death was for us. We know uh, what of first importance is the the gospel. Jesus uh, born, lived, suffered, died, buried, um, and and how it all worked out in those three days exactly. We have some ideas. We have he said, "I'm going to be in paradise," but there's other scriptures like in uh, I think both First and Second Peter is mm-hmm. that um, where G- Jesus goes to preach to uh, the spirits in prison, and so that's not exactly clear, but it gives us an image that even beyond Good Friday and all the people throughout the past, somehow that's how I kind of interpret it that Jesus is able to somehow um, even reach those that are in hell, so to speak, those that were lost or had never heard the gospel, uh, somehow from, from the depths of hell to the highest of heavens. And I think our Lutheran teaching is uh, he did descend to hell to say, here I am, uh, to proclaim his victory, not to suffer, um, and not necessarily to like give people a second chance if they're already there, but there's just a lot to that. I don't know. I, I would. I was going to echo that <laughs> when you look at what the catechism has to say about yeah. this question. It is referencing what Peter says, where he went to proclaim mm-hmm. victory, preach to the spirits in prison is the language that's used there. And even that's a little bit nebulous as to what does that mean? It's a little vague. And, and, and so I think because of that, because there's not a lot of scriptural evidence for what this descent into hell means, right. that some churches have said it's not essential to the salvation story and mm-hmm. even to look at the history of this and say, well, the Apostles' Creed was evolving between the year 200 and the year 750. Right. And so if there was a time in history where it wasn't deemed necessary then maybe there's a time now where mm-hmm. all of a sudden the language has become a stumbling block. Right. Yeah. And and I want and I would hope that the church at large is free, especially since it's not a matter of salvation, but is free to approach that line from the creed and and how to understand it. So when I when we say the creed in church, I speak those words. For sure. I do too. Uh, but I former congregation I served, there was a woman who just couldn't bring herself to say those words. So she told me, I'm not going to say those words in the creed. And I said, that's okay. Oh, yeah. She's still confessing the creed Mm -hmm. along with us. So there's freedom in that as well. And definitely a topic we uh, probably don't have time right now to, to get into as fully. So if anybody still has questions about that 
the history of that phrase, uh, his descent into hell, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Last question then. We're going to talk in a couple of weeks about the second coming of Christ, and we mm-hmm. hinted at it this past week. Uh, this person asked this question, Since heaven is timeless, have those who have already died already experienced Christ's second coming? I think I know what they're getting at. Yeah. Somehow, when we die, we step out of time and space here and into heaven, into eternity, God's space. Yeah. But we're still waiting. We're still waiting. And on the flip side, with Jesus ascending back into heaven in a weird, mysterious, cool way, time, you know, it's heaven and earth kind of together. So even time and eternity somehow you know, are related somehow. Um, and so as far as we can obvi- obviously tell here, the side of eternity, uh, Christ has not come again. And that's obvious. Uh, a lot of bodies still in the ground. Yep. A lot of sin still present. And so we're waiting for that renewed, restored creation to happen. And and not only are we waiting for it, but you receive glimpses in the book of Revelation yeah. Revelation 6, verse 10, it says there are souls surrounding the throne of martyrs. Yeah, and they're saying, go. how long, O Lord, till you avenge all of this wrong that has happened to us and yeah. put everything right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. You know, we are, we are still waiting, and that's why the last prayer in the Bible is, Come, Lord Jesus. And uh, until that happens, um, you had an interesting point, though. For those who are are on eterni- the side of eternity, uh, it's nowhere near the weight that it's been for uh, humanity and time and thousand, you know, a couple thousand years. So it's fun to think about, though, just uh, the difference between eternity and time. And I guess for me, it's the mixing of it that kind of gets me excited that... Uh, it's all about heaven coming to earth, and yeah, we're all waiting. And like you said, Scripture says those souls are there praying, praying and interceding and asking the same question even we do, which is kind of shocking. You know, how long, O oh Lord, do you make it make all things right? So, and who knows? Maybe during the course of this series on eternity, he'll come back. I mean, how cool would that be? Uh, that'd be real good. But until he does, we'll keep taking your questions. Uh, obviously, if he comes back, we won't have to take your questions anymore. You won't have to ask your questions anymore. Yeah. But we'll be back next week with another installment of your questions. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to explore these as well. It's just such a good conversation to have. So as Pastor Hutch said, the last words in Scripture, the last words from us today, I'm going to let you say them. Amen. And amen. <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus.